0: And I remember, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, my my friend reminded me, so this was four or five years ago, and I remember running a mile on the treadmill in ten minutes, and taking a picture of it and texting it to another guy that I lived with, and because it was this milestone, I had run a ten minute mile. I wanted to do things healthy, you know, but I was still eating milk duds and skittles and drinking Mountain Dew, even though I was playing basketball, or I was lifting weights, but I wasn't doing cardio and eating healthy and the more I began to do things that I was instructed to do through recovery.
1: Welcome back to the Building Better People podcast. This is your host, Charlie Lima. I have Alex Russell joining me on the podcast today. Alex shares a lot about his struggle with addiction and he shares how exercise was really a big part of helping him come out of addiction. You will definitely be inspired by hearing his message today, but more importantly, you may want to share it with someone else. Enjoy!
0: My name is Alex Russell. I'm 28 years old. Uh, currently, I am a Ph.D. student at Texas A&M studying health education. Um, so I teach, do research, um, and all my research interests are related to um, substance abuse, alcoholism, um, and recovery, and the role that
1: like religiosity or spiritual health play in that. So. so what you, you, physical education, in terms of substance abuse, like I'm very interested in that. What do, What do you mean by that? So, I'm in the field of health education.
0: So within health, you know, anything that affects health can be in that field. So you might have people that do research on physical activity or diabetes or obesity, and then there may be people. That look into things like addiction and alcoholism is just a different um, aspect of that field. a little different from most of the people in my department, for sure. Yeah. Um, But
1: the reality is, like, that is a part of our health. Um, No, that's awesome. So, what kind of classes or what, like, what kind of, what's your PhD uh, dissertation? Is that what what you're... Yeah, so
0: that, I'm only in my third semester. It's a four-year program. And so, um, I'll start that, you know, towards the tail end. But... Uh, the thing that's coming up uh, in earlier, in some of my research projects, because I do work on a lot of stuff with um my mentor, um, and so something that comes up a lot is is the measurement of spiritual health, and so we have all these ways to see if. Say we create a program to promote physical activity in a certain population. There's ways to measure that pretty easily: body mass index, um, you know, number of minutes or days. Spent. Mile time. Yeah, exactly. Mass. So it's pretty easy to say, "Hey, we created this program. We, we implemented it here, and it's been effective because all these people have improved in these ways physically." But with spiritual health, it's a little bit more difficult. Difficult to measure that, because. Um, you know, like, there's there's a lot of measures out there that are just very much, like, like how often do you go to church? Or, like, how would you subjectively relate, rate your, you know, connection with a higher power? So there's just a lot of different domains, whether it's, you know, community aspect or that, you know, sort of inward um, purpose in life, feeling that connectedness to God. There's also tangible things like prayer, meditation, going to church. And all of those things um, intertwine, like, affect your... Uh, health behaviors, like for instance alcohol, like drinking alcohol, or um, using you know, substances. Uh, research would say that the more religious you are, the later in, in life you initiate that first use of alcohol, so you might be 14 as opposed to, um, you know, if you're not religious, as opposed to if you are religious, you might like abstain for, for a few more years. But The point being that religion or spirituality does have an effect on substance use. Even when you look at, like, recovery, why do why are all these recovery programs spiritual, um, and why does that help people recover from these addictions or diseases? And so um, the question is more complex than they're just saying, like, well, if you're religious, then this will happen in terms of, like, your health. It's, it's more like what aspect of spirituality or religion is having this effect on this specific behavior? Is it the community aspect? Is it... Um, that purpose in life or that inner, um, feeling that they, you know, have a connection with God, um, or is it a combination of things? And then also like, are there different aspects that maybe have a negative
1: effect in certain areas? Um, and just so, so I'm fascinated by your studying cause I, I, know, I don't think I fully knew that you were doing that, but two questions come to mind and I know we'll, we could easily talk about that the whole time, but we won't, but <laughs> yeah. two questions. So why'd you choose that? And then in the you know, time that you've been studying and reading and researching, what is the most fascinating thing that you've learned?
0: Um, so long story short, I was a sport management master's student and still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I have family history with addiction, alcoholism. Um, I myself suffered from those behaviors. And was in recovery at this point, and and now I have over five years sober. And so it was very personal to me. Um, and so I had no intentions of getting a PhD. But when I started doing research as a master's student, I realized like I could make it a positive impact um, this way and serve other people through uh, research. And so found a guy here, instantly clicked similar research interests. That's what drew me to A um, and M. And I've just there, there's a lot of gaps in the research in this in this area and there's a lot more that needs to be done so that's one of the reasons I was motivated as far as what's most some of the interesting pieces of research I've looked at um, I think one thing that really uh, that really interested me when I was in my masters specifically is different um, so how the, 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 the brain works in terms of like motivation and reward and how um, athletes, are trained through, uh, you know, like doing performing well and, and um, you know being one of the best athletes. You get all these rewards and, and so there's this stimulation in the brain. And you're motivated to keep to keep getting those rewards. And so then whenever you transition out of an athletic career and you're no longer getting those uh, rewards, that that area of the brain still craves that, right? And so it wants to find that in some other way. And a lot of these athletes don't have the proper means of coping or somewhere else to, you know, they put everything they have into that. And so, unfortunately, like, an addiction to, say, alcohol works much in the same way. Your brain becomes sensitized over time. And so, um, you know, the the alcohol, the more you use it, the more sensitized your brain comes uh, and, and it wants that incentive. It wants the alcohol. And so, like you know, that's unfortunately one of the behaviors that when you're used to being an athlete and getting all these rewards and you want to like hit that area of the brain, uh, one of the behaviors that you see a lot of times
1: is they start, you know, wow, substance abuse issues. And is that the same, uh, reward feeling? And I've heard this on, uh, something else or read it somewhere about like when people get likes on their social media, like it's kind of that, like, People like it becomes addictive, right? Like social media becomes addictive Mm -hmm. because people see people liking their stuff Mm -hmm. and that makes them crave more, you know, but maybe it's similar to the, whatever the part of the brain that craves that.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not a neurologist. i like, this way above my pay grade. Yeah, that's why I said it was interesting Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, great. We maybe we hear a little bit more as we tie in yeah. uh, to what your your fitness journey. So, give me a background on you growing up, uh, sports, maybe any types of um, fitness stories from from childhood. Yeah, so growing up, sports were
0: honestly I thought sports were the most important thing. Um, sort of uh, that's kind of the way it was presented to me mainly by my mom not my dad you would, you would think it'd be the other way around and so I was always you know baseball football basketball mainly all growing up um was really good and like almost identified with that right like how good I was in sports was how good I was as a person um didn't have really like much of the spiritual life didn't grow up in church or anything like that um, I knew I needed to perform well in school or not get in trouble type thing and I always did really well in school without really putting much effort into it. But everything I had was put into sports and I didn't really realize, like I thought that that's what was most important. And so sports um, were just like my life, my, like, really until um, high school I played all three of those sports and was really good at all of them and then you know you have select if you're playing baseball you have all-stars in select teams so like it's just like year round in one sport and then the next um until about high school and well in middle school. I are focusing on basketball and so probably why i'm like good at cardio nowadays well there was a big gap in there from when i was in sports and not working out until now but um But yeah, so mainly focused on basketball in high school. And then again, like when I started using substances and stuff and partying in high school, I just dropped all sports. Um, Oh, you were all
1: into sports and then you just stopped? Yeah. What age?
0: So it was probably my sophomore year year in high school. What happened was I played basketball, got super lazy, started hanging out with the wrong crowds, doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing did want to practice or put any real effort, so I started playing golf. Um, no offense to Michael Whitehead.
1: <laughs> I would just say the practice is like... Hey, that still counts as a shout-out, and, yeah. and he'll appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: I would say that at that point in my life, going to a driving range sounded more attractive than running sprints. I because like, you were... just Yeah, yeah just didn't... It, it was just a lack of ambition and, and just
1: being lazy and just lack of priorities and just being lost. Really so, did you have any coaches that were kind of like, "Hey, man, what happened?" Or, or teammates that you used to play with that you know you didn't play with anymore? Were they? Um,
0: I had friends, but I would say that the coaches in my uh, so our our programs weren't really known for <laughs> powerhouses, and so yeah. like the coaches, I mean, they were just teachers being coaches, basically that you know really didn't have a lot of experience and probably weren't as invested. Yeah, um, as maybe they should have been, but I did have a lot of friends. Um, but I also had a lot of friends that were doing the same stuff as me. Yeah. Um, and so cuz you know, all my friends that I grew up with in sports, they were sort of the first ones to start experimenting with those behaviors. And I was very much um like scared like of of doing those things for a while until I felt the need to like fit in. Like I felt like I wasn't wanted if I wasn't doing those things, uh, you know, like hanging around with people while they're doing those things, you know, I felt like I needed to do it to fit in. And so, um, a lot of those guys wouldn't really say anything to me until later on, um, when they saw like it becoming a serious issue, more of like an addictive thing. Mm-hmm. And so, and of course at that point I sort of, you know, it was like,
1: and that pulls customary. you completely out of sports.
0: Yeah. Just golf. So I played golf for one year, and then I just dropped them all.
1: And then so so junior year, senior, senior year, I did not play any sports. And w- you probably weren't working out much mm-hmm. at all. So it just kind of, like, consumed your life. Obviously, and that you kind of said that earlier, is, like, that's what you want to help people to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. And if there's, you know, that's a very... Being in high school and the peer pressure and, you know, if, if maybe a parent's listening or maybe even somebody who is, you know, kind of treading water right now in that area? Like, what would you say? Because you're out of it now. You're actually advocating, you know, against substance abuse. Like, how should a parent handle their child? Or how should somebody, you know... Yeah, that's a very interesting question because,
0: well, I can say that for myself. My my dad was the type of person who, like, never would drink. Like, he he hadn't had a drink in, like, 10, 11 years just because my mom, so whatever, all this that was happening with me quitting sports and stuff, whenever I was 16, my mom suffered from alcoholism. She went to treatment for three months. So it was basically, and my dad worked all day, so it was kind of on my own because I'm an only child. And mm-hmm. so long. A lot of the behaviors picked up then. It was like I had all this time in a house to myself and stuff, and my dad worked all the time. My mom had her own issues, so I didn't really have, I never had any talks about, you know, that kind of thing. But I know that with my kids, um, I mean, obviously, Hannah, my girlfriend, and I will have some conversations, but um, I would, and I have mentors in recovery that have gotten, you know, sober when they're 18, and now they're 50 and have two kids that are not, you know, so I have people that can walk me through that, luckily, and so, Mm -hmm. for me, I think it's about, I'm not going to try to control my kids and say, hey, don't use this, don't ever drink alcohol, you know, just, just inform them and educate them on, you know the realities of if you use and um, you know the realities of drinking and driving and, and sexual assault and all these things that can happen as a result of alcohol being used or binge drinking um, and for my kids specifically there, there is a genetic predisposition to alcoholism and so just making them aware of that like hey you know i'm not going to tell you what to do but these are some risks and these are the realities of everything and so it's your choice Um, and and your choices that you're going to make. But I just want to make them aware of the choices that they're making. And
1: what about if you're the actual kid or teenager, you know, in that situation? Like, you know, what would you tell that person? Kind of in that moment of trying to decide, right? Trying to fit in, trying to, you know, be a part of the group or whatever you want to call it. Yeah,
0: I think, um, well, for me at that point... I think it came from it it depends on the individual for me I had identified in sports for so long right but then um, when I when I started using you know I started drifting away from sports and didn't really have an identity and then it was like well all my popular friends would start using and drinking so I need to do that to fit in right I had no identity in anything else Um, and so I started to 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 use for that reason and for me I, it's just like I started to use it to change the way I felt um, because of that and so I think nowadays like I identify in Christ right um, and I seek to grow spiritually and because of that I'm not worried you know I'm human so like I do like have to, to some extent care about other people's opinions but I don't I my identity isn't wrapped up in what other people think of me or in material possessions or,
1: you know, of, in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, they're, it's, it's, you know. So maybe even asking yourself, like, why are you really doing it? Like for the person to say, why am I even doing this? Like, yeah. what is my true reason for doing it? Mm-hmm. Am I trying to fit in? Am I trying to be a certain person for other people? In other words, like you said, it's an identity thing. Interesting, man. No, I appreciate you kind of going down that and and sharing it. I know it's really personal, but Mm -hmm. you did tell me I had permission to ask any questions. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so you didn't get to where you are today, running a five-minute mile, uh, not working out. So at some point after that high school, when did you start kind of like, what does that next season of your life look like?
0: Oh, man. Well, the next season of my life looked like no working out. I was always like pretty, pretty skinny, and still played a like pickup basketball with friends and stuff every now and then. Um, no working out, and then I get into college, and oh man, I started eating super unhealthy. Well, I always ate unhealthy. That was a big right. problem. And I didn't know, I didn't know how to read a nutrition label. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how to, nor did I care. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a lot of fast food, no working out. Um, A lot of partying, a lot of getting in trouble, um, as you can imagine. So then um, after a failed experience at at UT Austin, um, I moved back to Houston, transferred to U of H. And it was at that point where I still repeated the same behaviors. I was trying not to get in trouble. That's why I transferred from UT. I was trying to avoid all the just partying and all that. And I went back to Houston and did the same thing, right? So I ended up um, eventually getting arrested again. Sort of an ultimatum: stay in jail or go to a treatment center. And so I did. I went to well, I went to the treatment center, obviously. Um, and at that point, I think like internally, like I, I was so miserable and just wanted to be done, and like didn't really care if I existed or not. And so like I really did want to help at that point. I think God sort of intervened there because um, I just stopped being careful and. So at that point, um, even in the treatment center, I remember like at nights we'd have a basketball court, and I was just so like it was so nice to get back into into playing basketball and just forgetting, you know, the outside world. I always had that with with things like basketball or working out. Like it was just a chance for me. It was almost like meditation for me. It just blocked out everything else and just like focus on the moment. And um, and then you know moving on from there into sort of. Uh, the real world again. Um, working out and uh, well, at first I worked out. I like lifted weights, but I didn't do any cardio, and I didn't eat healthy. And I got up to like two ten. No way! Yeah.
1: What do you weigh now?
0: I'm one eighty. Oh my! I uh, can't 100. even
1: imagine you at two ten. Yeah. Well, I got a picture I can show
0: you later, but uh, <laughs> double chin and all. And uh, so then I kind of realized. I don't think I really I thought I was fat, but I started. You know, it's kind of like my fitness journey started with like cutting out one thing at a time Implementing one other, you know, one new thing at a time. It was not like I changed everything overnight Um, And so slowly I just became more and more refined and so started implementing cardio started eating healthy And I honestly I lost 30 or 35 pounds and sort of looked back and was like wow I think I might have been overweight you know like it wasn't this plan
1: like i'm gonna lose 30 pounds i just started to 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 be healthier and and so let's let's unpack that a little bit what does implement cardio look like so like how many days a week how much duration what type of cardio
0: yeah be honest with you like starting out so i uh i worked at the probably the worst gym in the world Planet fitness right because it was down uh, at this time i was at a sober living house and even after that i managed one so down the street um we had a planet fitness and I honestly used um kind of it's funny to say this now one of the, like the elliptical machines right because you couldn't you wouldn't catch me running at this point. Um, so I put in 20, 30 minutes five days a week um you know on the elliptical after doing some weightlifting right and eating healthier. And eventually, you know I started running. Oh man I hated running so much um when I first started right and I remember, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, my, my friend reminded me, so this was four or five years ago, and I remember running a mile on the treadmill in 10 minutes, and taking a picture of it, and texting it to another guy that I lived with, and it because it was this milestone, I had run a 10 minute mile. Wow. Yeah. And
1: what's your mile time now?
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> I, somehow I ran a five minute mile, like you said, <laughs> behind Michael Whitehead, he pushed me, um... So, I mean, somehow I cut that in
1: half. So 10 minutes to five. Wow. Okay, so so you were doing cardio how many days a week? Yeah, so so five days a week. Then I started
0: running um, about 5K, so 5K, um, five days a week. And then, so you know Zach. So Zach was one of the guys who moved in the house when I managed it, and we really pushed each other. Um, and our fitness journeys as well and so he started lifting weights we started running like 5 or 6
1: miles a day and so and yeah, lifting weights yes wow so yeah. and then what about your you said you changed your diet a little bit so what kind of changes did you make everything well I mean so I talked
0: about there's a buddy of mine who was in the treatment center with who's still sober um, because not many people do stay and mm-hmm. so he uh, was reminding me like in in the the treatment center, we'd have lunch and then there's sort of a little gift shop and we'd have a meeting right after lunch and every day right after lunch, so I had just eaten and I would get a pack of Milk Duds, a pack of Skittles and a Mountain Dew. So it's it's safe to say I cut (laughs) all those things out. I used to eat a lot of candy, I used to drink a lot of soda. I cut those out. Basically, I'll only drink water and coffee. Um, Vegetables weren't really on my radar. Uh, so I make sure, you know, because there's was recommended servings like, five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. And so, like, I hit those numbers. Um, I started, I learned how to read a label and, like, not just, like, calories, protein, carbs, um, but, like, the ingredients. And so, like, some of the advice that you've given, you know, I, I didn't buy stuff that had ingredients that I'd never heard of. Um,
1: and so Man, just, you have really changed your overall health. Yeah big time. So what would you say the the catalyst was? Like when was that moment for you that you decided, you know, was it you said the basketball games mm-hmm. felt good cuz you kind of really realized that you you almost that felt very much like meditation, but was there a moment when you're like, I mean, just I'm going to be healthy?
0: Yeah, so I think that in recovery, I've mentioned this as where I was introduced to God. I didn't grow up with God, right? Um, and <clears throat> so I think the more I crafted and developed a relationship with God, I think like I wanted to do some things healthy, you know, but I was still eating milk duds and Skittles and drinking Mountain Dew, even though I was playing basketball or I was lifting weights, but I wasn't doing cardio and eat healthy. And the more I began to do things that I was instructed to do through recovery and began to actually know who God was, build a relationship and understand that, I understood more and more what was right and what was wrong and how God wanted me to treat my body. And so I think that like, it's not trivial for me to like, just eat unhealthy. Like I know that, or I feel that I'm doing something wrong if I do that consistently. Like sure, I might have a cheat meal here and there. But it became a thing like this is the right thing for me to do, like this just just feels like the right thing to do, and I want to do the right, every, you know, thing in every area of my life, and I want to like allow God to direct me in every area and treat myself physically, spiritually, and emotionally like God would have me, not just. So,
1: would you say that you're, because uh, you're kind of in the, the, the field of studying spiritual health, right? Mm-hmm. You understand physical health how would you connect those two and would you say that one strengthens the other oh definitely or influences it so kind of give me your your answer to that
0: yeah i think i think it's what they call a what is it a causal feedback loop where it's like spiritual health influences physical health influences spiritual health and it just goes in this circle right and i think i think they both they both impact each other and they both um, in a positive way they positively correlate. I know for me like um, definitely if I'm if I'm healthier physically I feel I feel more healthy uh, spiritually, right? I just feel like I'm treating myself better and like I'm I'm not indulging and I'm not um, you know just taking things overboard like eating unhealthy or whatever. I just feel better because I can I remember early on when I would work out, <clears throat> like after getting sober, if I'd just like, you know, somebody in the house would have like a pie or something. And I'd, I mean, I'm with alcohol and drugs. I can be the same way with food. Like, I don't eat a slice of pizza. I, I tell people this because it's happened. I eat a large and then I want yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, when I do that, I don't feel good. Um, it just, it affects my spiritual, emotional health. If I go on this, you know, rampage, eat at large, and then, you know, also attack your pizza as well. Um, yeah. It can it can
1: it can weigh on me, right? And yeah. So I don't want
0: that. I don't want any blocks between me and God.
1: Yeah. Um, so give me uh, give me some insight into you're you're still a young guy. I mean, you're you know not thirty yet, but but you're almost thirty. I like to hear. That. And uh, you've been, you said, sober for five years. Mm-hmm. And, and that means from alcohol and drugs as well, all mm-hmm. of it, right? What, it, what are some of the things that you can say have made your life so much richer and um, more joyful from that decision? Like, Oh, what, man. Well.
0: I had burned a lot of bridges, and my relationship with my family um, was not good. They didn't trust me. Uh, I, I, I didn't treat them like I wanted to be treating them right. I had this, this idea of who I was in my head, but in reality, I wasn't acting that out because I was just like overpowered by these other desires. So I'd walk over or lie to or do whatever I had to anyone to satisfy those. And so, just repairing the relationship with my parents, and like I'm an only child, so my parents, you know, they want to they want to show me off to you know the other family members and like be proud of me, and they can they honestly are today, and I hear that, and they've seen changes in me, and I've seen changes in me, um, and everyone who knows me would it, it'd be hard for them to. To, to get exposed to that person I was and to, to even re- like realize that that was the same person. And so, um, just making them proud and repairing those relationships and then learning how to be a man, really, and how to communicate, how to be vulnerable emotionally, how to build like meaningful friendships and use those to serve, you know, to be of service to others, um, and, you know, and, and just growing into a person who's now in a relationship you know, with Hannah and, and her we're planning on getting married in June, um, and she has a daughter that I'm going to be stepdad to, and just just being a person who can be relied on, can be trusted, is loving, is caring, is gentle, um, with with everyone. And sure, I make mistakes, and I yeah, you know, I get tired and short, and yeah. you know, um, and you know, I'm I'm never gonna be perfect, but I mean, the person. That I am today. I love my family. Loves my friend. My friends love. Um, I can be relied on, dependable, trustworthy,
1: and none of those things were true before. Yeah, that's appreciate you sharing that as well. So, the the last question that I like to kind of close out the podcast with mm-hmm. is um, asking people what building better people means to them, and you know the just kind of restate you know the the three words even though they're just just three words carry so much meaning in this gym Mm -hmm. um you know we believe that you working out makes you a better version of you and um but it's always very interesting and i love hearing what that what people think that means to them because it's one thing for me to believe that, but then to have other people either sharing that belief or for it to mean something very unique to them. So what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, honestly the first word that comes to mind is just heart and I think that you know like much of what we talked before about this gym is it's if you don't come here you can't really understand it. I I describe it to people and and you know like Hannah's debating coming here now and so like I do my best, but, uh, I think there's just a certain aura here. There's a certain space where it's, it's, um, it's so community oriented and there's so many people here that are just, um, that provide, you know, guidance and, and, and are just kind and are caring and, um, can really be relied on. And I think that, um, being here, I mean, for me, it's been huge, right? Like, that's how I ended up going to the church that I go to now and the, the person who discipled me I met here. Um, and so, like, it, it's more than just me being physically healthy. It's, it's this heart change that I've had. Um, and I think when, when I experience that or when anyone experiences that, um, you become a better person in so many other ways. Like everything stems from that one, um, that, that, that core uh, heart change just causes so many other changes. Whether it's, you know, exercising more and being healthier or, you know, just searching out other areas where
1: we can grow. Um, I think that's what it makes me. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals, being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle.